episode 288, Cloak and Dagger, season two, episode one and two, Restless Energy and White Lines. Welcome to level seven. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben. Ben Avery. I'm here with Stuart. Say hello. Hey, I'm Stuart. There he is. And we are here to talk about Cloak and Dagger. And, uh, you know, we're, we're here to talk about half of Cloak and Dagger together. Um, yes. Because, uh, you know, there's just been things happening. And Samantha was actually meant to do this episode um, because she had viewed everything. But then there was some... Life happens, life things. So she's not here. So Stuart is filling in in an emergency capacity, but he's only seen the first episode of the two that have mm-hmm. aired. So um, I'll be doing the second half of this episode on my own. Um, and then I have one piece of feedback. And so, yeah, we're here to talk about Cloak and Dagger. And we're back into regular uh, release, weekly releases of television shows, which is why we're Jumping into Cloak and Dagger instead of continuing with Runaways right now. Um, or the Run Pun Run Run Pun. Yes, the, the, the Run Pun Run is not running right now. You haven't mentioned that since since I brought it up the last time I was on the show. Have you? Well, you know, I, there's a – yeah, I, I need to just own it, you know, and not, not let <laughs> – not let people's words get into my head, but uh, there's a certain population of the audience who I'm sure loves the run pun run. And there's another population who's like, yeah, yeah, Ben, you're, you're right. You, you shouldn't you shouldn't say that. <laughs> and there's oh. another population who just doesn't care. And like, Ben, why do you care? Why do you care? I don't care. And then there's a whole nother population is like, what are they talking about? Because this is cloak <laughs> and dagger and they're not listening to runaways episodes because they're not watching runaways or Punisher or Punisher. So, but yes, Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, Cloak and Dagger. Um, real quick, our spoiler policy is we will spoil anything that we've already talked about on this podcast. And so I'm just going to say that right now. Um, I doubt that we're going to really spoil much of anything uh, outside of Cloak and Dagger. But we will be talking about season one of Cloak and Dagger. And, um, and we'll be talking about episode one and two, although I'm not going to spoil Stuart. So in the first half, I am not going to be talking anything about anything that happened on episode two other than, Stuart, you need to watch it because it's good. Spoiler. <laughs> All right. So so here's, maybe this is the time to plug the uh, Patreon. So when I can... <laughs> fully devote all of my life to the Welcome to House Sullivan podcast. I could watch them. Hey, I did not say you need to watch it because I'm expecting you to do this professionally. I said it's good. Right. So I, I know. I another know. thing to watch because it's good. Uh, I've been doing a lot of housework today because I took a vacation day so I could fix some things around the house. The Tick season two. I love this season of The Tick. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It, it was just I'm laughing. I'm not crying but getting you know into the story and uh there's some nice twists and turns and taking tropes and turning them on their head and i'm i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying so, it so how are you doing housework and watching tv well the f- holes in the walls that i've been fixing that my kids <laughs> put there about six years ago are in the living room 
And the other hole in the wall that I was fixing is just off the side of the living room. So I just turned the television. And so as I'm mudding the wall and doing all that stuff, I've got the tick playing in. In the background. Yeah. And I I, I, want to say I watched about six episodes of that that way. So, you know, almost (laughs) three hours of work. They're half hour episodes, right? Yeah. 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 And then after I was done, I, I went ahead and sat on the couch after I cleaned up and you know got the plaster off of my, my jeans, but um, sat on the, the couch and watched another episode. So Welcome to the tick, people. Hey, this is <laughs> relevant to the interests, you know? This is relevant to the interests. Uh, superhero streaming show that has we, – we talked about the first season and how we like that. Well, second season, I'm, I'm recommending it. I'm recommending it. Yeah. Um, this won't be the last rabbit trail we take, but it's probably the last dedicated rabbit trail to something like that. Um, until the end, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to talk about something I've talked about in our last episode, Supersonic Pod Comics, project I'm working on. If you want to hear about something I'm working on that um, you could get involved in, uh, it's superhero related, wait until the end, and I will talk about that then. I am not going to talk about it up front like I did on Strangers and Aliens because I felt weird, like I was part of the lore podcast. Because you ever listen to lore? <laughs> 25 minute episodes, maybe 20. Six minutes of that is ads. It's just, and affiliate accounts. Oh, so it's like every other, what is it? Um, it's the one that the Marvel Wolverine was on recently, Stitcher. There was a whole bunch of ads to it. All right. So let's talk about Restless Energy then. And let's get back into the lives of Tandy and Ty, Cloak and Dagger. Did you rewatch season one I, or the end <laughs> of season one or anything of season one? No, but I was very glad that Hulu did a previously on because. Yeah, no, totally. That was nice. I didn't watch any of it either. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that that happened. OK. Yeah. Well, there's a lot that I remembered as they were showing it that because mm-hmm. it's memorable. I mean, let's let's talk about first season real quick. Mm-hmm. First season of Cloak and Dagger was so good and anyone i talked to who watched it agreed this is a good good series and agreed i i think better than runaways i i think i think cloak and dagger if i'm looking at you know hulu ish shows because both runaways and cloak and dagger are on hulu runaways as a hulu original cloak and dagger as a freeform cable channel original um, which then goes directly to Hulu the next day. And I, uh, I did get worried that it would not be on Hulu, but it was, there was nothing to worry about. Well, and, and, the, and those two definitely seem to fit sort of together, right? Where, you know, all of our Netflix shows seem to fit together and, and Hulu or Runaways and Cloak and Dagger fit sort of thematically together. Yeah, there's different corners that give off different vibes. Netflix, that's one vibe over in that corner. There's the Marvel movies, which is another vibe with another corner. There's uh, ABC, so that's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, Inhumans. Um, But those television division stuff in another corner. And then you have, yeah, this Hulu corner over here with uh, Runaways and and Cloak & Dagger. And I know Cloak & Dagger isn't Hulu original, but... That's where I'm watching it is on Hulu. <laughs> well, and, it, and again, again, it, it definitely fits into that, um, 
you know, One Tree Hill. That's a callback for you. Yeah, well, if you've been listening to Samantha and I talk about Runaways, then you're going to hear One Tree Hill rabbit trails. But 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 it's it definitely fits into that young teen um, angsty sort of type of show. Yeah, I would say the YA, you know, but at the same time, yeah. at the same time, I think Cloak and Dagger goes beyond that trope. It, it Cloak and Dagger goes beyond the YA trope and it goes beyond the superhero trope to mm-hmm. to be something that's kind of good on its own in its own special way. I, I really enjoyed season one and watching these two episodes. I was back into that spot where I'm just I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, it's 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 not great. I mean, it's not as gritty as, say, the Punisher. It's not as superhero-y as, say, the movies. It, it, it's got this nice little balance that's an intimate story but on a grand scale. Yeah, yeah. And the focus on two characters, that's nice. You know, you have mm-hmm. Netflix and movies and things like that where they focus in on one character and the supporting cast. Or mm-hmm. they focus in on a, a large team like Runaways, Defenders, Avengers, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. even. But this focus on two characters with kind of two supporting casts makes for – yeah, it, it makes for a nice intimate thing. But the intimacy is there because of the relationship of these two characters. Mm-hmm. And they do a good job also of the relationship of Tandy and Ty, I think. That's a great friendship we've got going on there. yeah. And I was I, that was one of my notes for overall for the episode, and I'm sure we'll hit it when we get to it. But if there is a romantic thing towards the end, we're not there yet. We're not even close to – well, we might be a little close to being there yet. But they are they are comfortable with each other, if not romantically linked. Yeah, and it's not a perfect relationship either. I mean they, they, they no. argue. They, they, they have differences of opinions. They judge each other. I mean, these are kids who are in a friendship, learning about a friendship, uh, and who have never been in this kind of close relationship before, where their their bond is not because they're family. Their bond is not because they come from the same neighborhood. Their bond is not because they're in school together. Their bond is that, hey, no one else has this kind of thing going on in their life. No one else has a superpower. And... They understand each other and they support each other and yeah, let's get into it Yep. because we, we start out with them separate. Uh, Tandy is dancing and getting back into ballet, whereas Ty is – Tyrone is walking the streets, tracking bad guys and taking money out from under their noses and drugs too I think. And so this is where we, we join them. This is kind of our cold open. What are they up to right now? This is this is kind of it. Uh, the other thing that's happening with Tandy is that she and her mom are in therapy together, which that was a really, really interesting thing that I was not expecting. Mm-mm. But they're actually working on their relationship. And we get insight from why mom did what she did, where she says, I lied because I didn't want you to know what was going on. And girls who are grow up with abusive fathers get abusive partners, which, by the way, is true. Like that is – um, it's not everyone, but um, that's the trend is if if you have an abusive parent, a lot of times you end up with an abusive spouse or an abusive partner. Um, Do you how how true and, and your experience with this is probably a little bit broader than mine. Um, how true do you feel like her uh, reasoning was? Because I've never heard. 
I've never heard someone say, I lied. I knew it was wrong, but I did it to protect you, to, to shield you from that. I have seen parental situations not like this. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> but where the parent, the parent hides, usually it's something they, they hide things from their past because they mm-hmm. want, they don't want their child to know about it because they don't want their child to have to, you know, they, they don't want their child to try it. Or to, or to do it, you know, and so like they, they would hide an addiction or they would hide an affair or they would hide, um, you know, something else from their past. Um, but the whole I, I lied to protect you thing, that's not unusual. Um, okay. This what, – what is unusual – so I'm giving mom the, the line about the abusive father's thing leading to abusive partners later on, right? Um, what I'm not giving her or the show honestly is – that they were able to hide the abuse completely so that Tandy didn't even know her father had done that even, you know, as a, as a young adult then um, where she, she doesn't have memories of that. I, that that's a little bit of a bit, a big gimme to give, but it does fit the plot. It does fit the plot. And I'm not going to say it's impossible. It's just a big gimme. I actually, <laughs> I was a pretty clueless child. Like I didn't know a lot of stuff that was going on in the house when it was going on. For example, we visited a friend's house once. Uh, we were living in a, a duplex, a duplex in one city. We visited a friend in his house, um, you know, in a city ten minutes away, and I thought we were just visiting. And then two weeks later, I find out we're moving into that house. Like we, <laughs> we weren't just visiting. We were going and looking at the house to try and see if we're going to buy it or not. And. And then two weeks later, we're buying the house. And I was like, wow, we're buying their house. And my parents were like, yeah, don't you remember? We went and looked at it. And we were, you know, that's why they were showing us all the rooms and everything. It just, I was in eighth grade. <laughs> and so that little kid well, being clueless. So maybe I'm wrong that they were able to get things um, where where they were able to hide it well. But well, um, and, and if you are, if you are, I mean, let's take her motivation as true, right? If you're, if her motivation is to protect Tandy, then she's going to do whatever she has to do to hide it. So, you know, foundation makeup, long sweaters. Yeah. I don't want to diminish it by calling it stereotypical things, but all the things you hear about that, that women do when they are getting in this situation. And, and, so, and, and when they're hiding it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. When they're hiding it. Because the worst thing about that is is that yeah they they feel like they have to hide it rather than get out of it, mm-hmm. and and that's that is something I have seen in in dealing with families is is where it's yeah I'm 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 putting up with it because I can't get out of it you know and and that's I know that feels true but it's not true like if you're in an abusive situation first of all there's hotlines to call. There are mm-hmm. churches you can go to and there are counselors you can go to, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get help. And you can get help anonymously, at least at the start, where you can get help anonymously until you're ready to get out. But, um, you know, that is something where uh, it feels hopeless. And that's what ring true, rings true about what Tandy's mom is saying here. She felt hopeless. She felt like she couldn't get out, but she wanted to protect her daughter from it. And and that much at least rings true. Kind of going back to your question. Yeah, that that part I that absolutely. If if I was a, maybe a little clueless on the on the on the exactness mm-hmm. of it, the 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 impetus of it felt absolutely true. The the fictional side of it here, it feels yeah. yeah. 
but in the middle of this, then they see Michaela who has bruises and she has issues. And, um, and so Tandy is going to try and connect with Michaela. Would you say that Tandy's um, spider sense went off? I, I very easily could see us saying that her spidey sense went off. She definitely keyed in on the fact that that Tandy is, or that uh, Michaela has bruises and her her wallet falls out. Oh, that's what's going to be. You know, that's a thing. So that was. I mean, I'm I'm poking fun at it, but she definitely keys into that, and she does a superhero thing. You know, she she's seeing a people who's being hurt. And she's got a way to help them and a desire to help them. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's good superhero bits. And so as we're watching Tyrone doing his superhero thing, we're watching her get ready to, mm-hmm. to do her superhero thing. The third character who kind of fills out our um, primary cast in, in some ways is O'Reilly, who is uh, – at the shooting range and she's off her game. Like she's physically healed, but there's something in her head basically um, where she's just not quite right. And then Ty uh, Tyrone surprises her by teleporting into her car with the bag of money and drugs. <laughs> and so uh, and she's like, you can't do this. And he's like, I got to do something. And she's like, not this. And he, he gives the classic superhero tropey line. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? And mm-hmm. she says, we need to wait for justice. And and what you're trying to do to make things safer, you're actually make, making things worse. Um, and then we also find out he's still on the hook for for the for killing the cop because um, there can't there can't be an investigation. And so so at this point in time, I'm trying to remember through the whole she's at the shooting range and now she's in the car. She looks like she'd been. Um, through something pretty bad, and I'm trying very hard to remember what it was. Remember, she got shot and fell in the water, and then came out of the water, and it was it was really ominous at the very end. Okay, that's all it was. I couldn't yeah. remember if she because it looked like in the shooting range, it looked like she maybe had scar tissue or something on her face. So I was like, did she get burned? Because you know that's a pretty typical thing. But I don't remember her getting burned. Yeah, she she was really hurt, but it was more now she's still dealing with the trauma of whatever happened. And yeah, yeah and, and so we're gonna have more happen with her, you know. But she is a. If we have Tyrone and Tandy as the two main characters, um, O'Reilly is coming up right behind them as one of the main supporting cast here. Surprisingly, like she she gets used a lot in this episode and. And next, but I'm not going to say anything more about that. Okay, so remind me one more thing. There was a teaser um, trailer many, many moons ago. Mm-hmm. What do do you remember? What it was like, Black Cat or White Cat or something like that? <laughs> no, that was in reference. Okay, I thought it was in reference to to this. I couldn't. I it was in reference. To, there, there was a teaser with O'Reilly uh, teasing mm-hmm. a well-known uh, cloak and dagger villain. Okay. Yes. Which That's we will we get to that. that villain. Yes. Okay. We will get to that. But we're still in act one here and it's movie night. <laughs> movie night Aww. is in the house and this is kind of fun. You know, they, they're getting together. They are at the church where he's living now and together they watch a VHS movie on a projector uh, hooked up to a VCR and they catch up on each other's uh, lives. And she noticed that he has been practicing his powers and and they're watching Zorro. And this is really fun 
because first of all, Zoro is one of the first vigilante superheroes or vigilante heroes in general. Um, one of the first masked heroes. Uh, he is not the first necessarily. I, I, I'm not going to go that far to say that he was the first because I don't think he was, but um, he was definitely an inspiration for Superman and Batman and, and, you know, the spirit and, and uh, yeah, all, all those guys, the the shadow. Yeah. Um, But they're, they're looking at this one character in a way that's a little bit interesting to me. First of all, uh, Cloak talks about how the story's always the same. Town folk's in trouble. He rises up, fights the power. Bad guys get all Zed, uh, and then that was a good line. Yeah, and then they they start asking each other about missing the saving the world rush, and he says, "Well, I'm not missing dodging the bullets and putting my family in danger." Um, and then she says, "And I love this, you know, because they're talking about how they need to complement each other. A cloak won't Z anyone. Uh, you need a blade." And so you've got, they're both, you know, put them both together and you got Zorro, you know, you've mm-hmm. got the cloak, you got the cape and you've got the blade. And yeah, so this is just a fun, like kind of deconstruction of the superhero idea and the superhero identity. And, and here they are, um, you know, talking about what they do and, and whoever wrote this episode is having fun doing some meta uh, observations. Well- yeah, and it also sets them up to the viewer as who they are in the pantheon of superheroes, right? So together, they're sort of this one amalgam of a superhero. It's kind of like a Voltron, right? But yeah, individually, yeah. who are they, and how? What roles do they do they fill in this, you know, quote unquote Voltroni superhero? Yeah, it's interesting because they do they they are a pair, you know, and they mm-hmm. they go together and. You know, almost every comic that they're in, it's cloak and dagger, cloak and dagger, cloak and dagger. There are some stories where daggers off doing something and cloaks off doing something. And whenever I'm reading a cloak and dagger story, that's just about one of them. It always feels a little off. It it always feels like, you know, we're missing the pair, you know, Batman and Robin. When I was a kid, that was the same kind of thing where Batman by himself, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense. You know, there's got to be a Robin. But I grew out of that because Batman is so much bigger than than the Batman and Robin show, you know, but, uh, well, even in this episode shots that didn't have one or the other, or like when they were on different, different in different areas of the city, they were still interconnecting, intercutting them, mm-hmm. you know? And so they want us to, to view them as one person, but this is setting them up to be sort of separate identities too. It's really well done treatment of a pair of superheroes. Yeah, you brought up a really good um an important thing though, and that is that they have separate identities. And mm-hmm. and in the comics, it it's there for sure. Um but here I think it's even more. I, and I don't know if it's just because it's two actors because on the comics it's flat and you've got dialogue, but it's not, you know, you've got the visual differences obviously between the characters. But here you have actually two living breathing people that you're watching. And and I think maybe that brings a little more reality to their identity uh, and it works better as they're they're trying to explore, like, how do, how do we work together and how do we work apart? And right now they're working apart. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're not working together. Um, they're getting together. They're talking. They're supporting each other, kind of. But um, they're not they're not a crime fighting duo right now. 
if you, if you were to put it in a dating phrase, they're still sort of courting each other, trying to figure out how they fit together, I think. And that, that, that'll show up later on. Yeah. Yeah. So act two is very simple in my notes. It's, I'm just going to read it. Tandy and mom are kind of getting along, but Tandy bails on dinner because of ballet class lie. (laughs) And she's following Michaela and Mm -hmm. who is being abused by her boyfriend or husband who has lots and lots of anger. Meanwhile, while she's spying on Michaela, Ty is spying on Evita, watching her at school and at home as she's living her life. And this whole act is a musical montage cutting between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And it's really well shot, really well done. It's very simple mm-hmm. as far as like if you're writing an outline like I am. But uh, it, it, that's all the script was. Yeah. Well, <laughs> shot, of Ty- shot of Tyrone looking at mom. Shot of Tyrone looking at dad. Shot of Tyrone looking at Evita and being a little creepy. He's being a little creepy. He's also being a little sad, you know, yeah. and um, sad Tyrone is sad. <laughs> he is uh, what he's doing is totally understandable. What he's doing mm-hmm. is also, a, yeah, a little bit creepy feeling. So, uh, and, and this just cool. goes to the loneliness too, I think for yeah, him. Yeah. I mean, I really liked, I actually liked, um, Tandy's sort of interaction with her mom better than, um, better than sort of his mopey looking at people sadly thing. Um, because that that was showing that they were growing together. But as soon as the mom started pushing a little bit to, I forget what sort of triggered it. But then she's like, oh, I got to go. Bye. I don't remember what it was either. But Tandy's doing this, though, because I, I think she always had this plan. Like all day, she's just waiting for the moment to tell mom, oh, wait, uh, I got to make a ballet class. Because <laughs> the last one got rained out or <laughs> whatever. Like... <laughs> But she's making up the class. Uh, So I think, (laughs) I think, yes, I believe she was waiting for the right time, but I think she got spooked and whatever. I want to say her mom was talking about some sort of relationship thing, like your great daughter or something like that, that made her uncomfortable. And so that was her escape route at that moment. She, she felt uncomfortable. And so she had to run. And that's a, that's a big thing for her later on too. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got we've got issues here that we have to deal with still. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and Tandy, I think, has one relationship she can kind of trust right now, but it's one relationship she can kind of trust, not trust, trust, you know, and that's that's Tyrone. And it's not mom, you know, mom, mom, their relationship was built on lies for a long, long time. Yeah. And then the relationship was built on arguing like their mm-hmm. their entire interaction was arguing always because mom is doing bad stuff and tandy is also doing bad stuff and and now they're both trying to build that up and and both trying to do better and i think it is scary for tandy do you think that maybe um they're talking about the pinch of salt and the dash of whatever that tandy was <laughs> trying to like maybe start an argument no, I I think she was actually asking the question like that because okay. that whole thing, I don't get it either. You know, like, give me a measurement. <laughs> give me a measurement. Let me do it. And yeah, but but the problem is you're going to add, oh, this isn't salty enough. I need to add more salt. That's uh, what it means. 
season to taste. Here, no, but okay. it doesn't Cooking say season of taste. It says it says pinch, and like a pinch from me is going to be a different than from a pinch from Tandy or from my daughter. My daughter, whose fingers are a lot lot skinnier than mine. Can you imagine a pinch from the Hulk? Seriously, like give me a measurement. Give me a number that fits in one of those little tiny little scoopers that I got. You know, give me a number. And this comes from someone I make mean cookies, man. I make oh, oh my goodness my cookies. Do they get up and like insult you or something? They get up and they slap you with their awesome taste. Really? Yes, yes. Although we had a cookie contest at work, and I brought in my cookies, I got fourth place out of five. But mine had best presentation, and everyone loved them. But mine were the first to get judged. Mine were the first to get judged, and I think you that never I lost. Want to be-, be first? No, you never no. want to be. You want to sit. Um, you want to sit in like the third or fourth range. So you get a couple of couple of okay ones. Then you're like, oh my gosh. And then you get a couple of okay ones. So you, then you remember the, sec- the third one. But then I had to go home and tell my family that I lost. And I did, lost did, did Ben have to walk the walk of shame up to the door? I did. I did. I knew they were going to ask just... me about it as soon as I got home. And they, and they did. <laughs> I can just see Ben walking in with his with his only one eaten cookie out of the whole tray. <sighs> yeah. Opens well, the door. See, at the beginning of the episode, I promised rabbit trails. <laughs> There's one. I think I think I hope our listeners listen to us for rabbit trails because uh, Lord well, knows they we, get them. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> they get them whether so. or not they listen to them for them. <laughs> All right. Act three. Also very short in my notes. Um, while Tyrone reads about entropy, um, Tandy goes into the house of the boyfriend and leaves a message for him, which is, uh, she carves her daggers all over the place. She leaves a message. It's like, leave her alone. She cuts the couch open all the way to where he's sleeping. And it's, that's, that's that. And then Tyrone goes to the other gang's territory, does the same thing with the other gang's stuff. But doesn't get out in time. He gets caught. But he gets saved. By who? By Tandy. Because Tandy saw him when she was done tearing up that guy's house. She goes to the church, finds a map with places circled on it, and realizes that Tyrone is going to these places where drugs are happening. And so she goes and rescues him because she knows that he's going there. Um and the entropy stuff that he's reading about is how energy changes form, but every process that uses energy, when it comes out of it, it comes out of it with less energy. And and there's always going to be less energy. And you know when you, when you burn wood, you're going to get that heat from it, but you're also going to lose uh, you know energy from the wood. You know, and you're not going to get as much energy as the wood can give off, you're not going to get that perfect amount. It's not a perfect one-to-one transference because some of it is always lost and changed into something different that gets lost. And so that's the entropy that they're talking about here goes along with the boyfriend and what she's doing with him, but also goes along with the power differences where he takes down one gang and the other gang is able to gain more power and gain more influence. Yeah, I mean, I, I get all that. Maybe I looked away or something, but it was like, why? How did she show up? Oh, okay, she just did. Well, they talk about it later, um, right? They talk right. about it later how she knew to go there. Uh, it was a, a big surprise. 
Okay, so moving on to Act 4, we get more talk about this entropy of power, and Tyrone gives his explanation. He's trying to make up for the mistake he made in going after those other drug dealers and drug manufacturers and and, and that. Uh, and Tandy's angry, but you know why she's angry? Because he didn't ask her for help. So they get into a fight about lying to each other because they're both hypocrites <laughs> because you can't get angry at someone for lying at you when you are lying at them. Uh, I mean, I guess you can get angry at them because two wrongs don't make a right. But that is one of the hallmarks of, of hypocrisy. But they also the liar deserves to have some anger directed at them mm-hmm. because, yeah, they're they're both doing something wrong here. So what I found interesting about this and I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, oh, you stupid children. You're just sitting there fighting. And then I was like, well, wait a second. They're not fighting. They're yeah, they're. They're, but they're having a conversation. They're not. They're expressing themselves. Yeah, it's a mature yeah. fight, if that makes any sense at all. It's a mature fight. So they're sitting there going, you did a wrong thing. And then the other person's countering like, but wait a second. <laughs> hold on. Hold no, your horses. They are, you it, also did a wrong yeah, thing. It's an emotionally charged argument in that mm-hmm. they are accusing each other of things. But what they are doing, and this is good. Right. Is to say, you did this and it makes me feel like this. Yes. You know, and it's not, I mean, and there's not a lot of like, uh, and running away. There's actual like adult conversations back and forth. And I thought that was really interesting. So from here, O'Reilly comes home and finds drugs and money in her apartment <laughs> and promptly gets a call about it from work. His vigilante stuff is affecting her. And it's affecting her job. And now they're looking at how do we mediate this whole thing with the gang so it doesn't turn into a gang war that people get caught in the crossfire for. Meanwhile, Tandy's work has also backfired. And Michaela's boyfriend slash husband, whoever he is, um, he has, through that situation, come off as vulnerable and cute because he says a gang, three guys, came into the house, attacked him. You know, he fought them off, but it was bad. And when she found him, he was crying and, and he just it just made her want him back. So they both go. They burn off steam him with basketball, her with ballet. And uh, and then he shows up where she's doing her ballet, which is superpower ballet, uh, creating energy yeah, and causing had, lights to blink the, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of cool. It was. It was really neat. And it's 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 it added to the emotion of the moment. The emotion was already mm-hmm. there. You know, this is. Dance as an expression of your emotions, your feeling and thinking. He shows up, though, and says he has three things to say. And this is where, Stuart, your observation about them being mature and having conversation and and expression. He says three things. And guys, gals, everyone who's listening right now, if you want to resolve a conflict in a positive and mature way, this is how you do it. You say sorry. You say thank you. And you say I need your help. You know, these are three things that you – have to say to the people in your world, in your life, mm-hmm. you do something wrong to them, you apologize. You thank them for helping you. And then if you need help, you go to them and ask for help. And so he's doing this and it's great. And I'm loving the relationship stuff in this episode, in this show, are head and shoulders above the relationship stuff in, in Runaways. That's not to say Runaways not good. Runaways can stand tall, but Cloak and Dagger stands head and shoulders above Runaways. 
in my and what I, personal opinion. And what I appreciate about this is Runaways feels like a more team dynamic thing. Yeah, there's sort of couples that pair off and do their own thing, but then come back in team dynamics, right? This is like honest-to-goodness, solid relationship-building advice. I mean, I feel like if you want to talk about a rabbit trail or a callback, you know, Dan, Mr. Daniel Dandy Butcher talking about, you know, relationship stuff. That's what I'm thinking of. You know, uh, this is that. This is good, solid relationship. You just nailed it on the head. You know, if you want to learn how to be a good mate to a person, this is it. And a good you friend. Light also. up your hands. This, this is how to be a good friend. This is how to be a mm-hmm. good partner, a good mate, a good parent, and a, a, a good child. <laughs> you know, like this. And a good superhero. Yeah, because that's what they're going to do next. And that's our final act here is that they're going to go do some superheroics because they are angry. And so <laughs> they're going to try and help O'Reilly again. Not the greatest idea. Uh, and so they go to a club where the sit down is going to happen and he's going to get a recording of the meeting. And so he poofs in. He plants a recorder. He poofs out and they hang out at the club and dance and drink a little bit. But he doesn't drink, but she does a little bit. And they're waiting for the two gangs to come together for the sit down. And then the sit down starts and they see in the window of the room where the sit down is going to happen. um, Something bad's going down and they go in there and the furniture is all crazy everywhere. And something crazy bad happened there. It's Punisher showed up. (laughs) It feels like that in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Except we didn't see him show up, you know, but. Right. And so in episode two, we're going to find out a little bit more. I'm not going to talk about that right now without um, turning your your microphone off and your your headphones. But episode one, thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you think, Stuart? I liked it. I'm, I'm, you know, it's nice to see Cook and Dagger back on TV. Um, You know, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of MCU TV right now. We've got, we're still working our way through Punisher. We're still working our way through runaways. Now we have, um, cloak and dagger on, and we're going to have agents of shield soon. And there's a little movie coming in about three weeks. So there's a lot of MCU happening right now. Um, this feels like a good solid pair of, of like sweatpants it feels comfortable like we know these characters so that's nice but it also feels fresh so maybe they're like a new pair of sweatpants not the old <laughs> ones out of your closet um because it feels like they're growing and and moving forward it's not just the same old same old which i appreciate i do too and i think Stuart, is that your uh, final word there that might be my final word all right well thanks for joining me and i'm going to st- talk about uh white lines now and uh have fun with that i'll see you later i I, I will and and stewart watch it because it's good but you know what else you should be watching because it's good the tech star trek discovery (laughs) hey i'm actually all caught up uh yeah we'll do we'll do a post credit sometime i know yeah yeah it'll be fun and did you watch twilight zone then too yes that was a good one too yeah so so yeah <laughs> all right later man all right see you okay so now that Stuart is gone uh, you're going to notice a little bit of a difference in the sound quality because uh Stuart was recording from on skype with me from his from his phone actually from uh, wherever he's staying right now so um 
yeah, so there, there's gonna be a little bit of a difference there, but that's that's the nature of podcasting sometimes. And uh, what's amazing about technology is it allows us to to do this um, crazy thing where we get to talk to each other from across state lines. So anyway, uh, talking now about white lines and uh, this episode, and I, I what I enjoyed about this episode probably the most was the structure of the episode where each of the acts, so to speak, um, were from a different perspective. Now, it's not like a Rashomon kind of thing where the different perspective is telling the same story but with the different person's um, viewpoint, uh, which is I, – I love that kind of storytelling um, uh, method, I guess. Uh, I guess it's a storytelling trope also. Uh, Rashomon being the most famous because it was one of the first, if not the first, places where it was done and done really, really well. And it's a Japanese movie about a, a murder, and um, you get to see it from all sorts of different perspectives. And uh, the book itself also is, is is interesting to read. And then it's been remade into a couple different things. Um, there's a Western, I believe William Shatner is in that Western that was one of the remakes. But each of these acts is just a different person's story. Like it all starts where we left off with the last episode with the bloodbath that happened in the meeting room. But then we take off from each of those characters and, and when they leave this situation, what happens with them? And so I, I'm really enjoying the storytelling uh, aspect of things. And and both this episode and episode one just keep up that filmmaking uh, quality where it's just so well shot and so well acted and costume design even comes into play there where Tandy's wearing one of his shirts and it's um, it's one of his like a, a dress white shirt that he you, you would wear for to school as part of his uniform but she puts a belt on it's super 80s it's super 80s looking which is you know dagger as a character is a character from the 80s it was created and and most of the series that the cloak and dagger had were taking place during the 80s and so she had that kind of um uh trend punk look in in some of her um uh wardrobe choices in the, in the 80s and so she's got that look here now and then she's getting him ready and i was like what are they doing why why are they getting dressed up like this while they're getting dressed up to go clubbing in the last episode so here we pick up where we left off, which gives us in the, the cold open, we get the song happening over blood as it's spilling and and over um, cocaine as the cocaine is being moved into a, a Vudan uh, symbol. We don't know what it is yet, but um, but it's being put in the cocaine is being put in these white lines where you would, um, you know, like. I guess in, in when I've seen it used in, in magic things on TV is, is usually sand or a, a white chalk or something to make the lines. But here they're using cocaine, which interesting choice as far as um, the using the environment as a storyteller. Uh, it, it, it made for some really interesting, um, just really interesting stuff here. Uh, so then they get the recorder. They listen to the recording, which doesn't really tell them too much except for something awful happened. And they see the voodoo symbol. O'Reilly comes in, sends them away, takes the recorder. And um, she says, you got to go away. She opens the door and the wind blows away that, that, that voodoo symbol. And the thing is for Tandy and for Tyrone, doing nothing is not a solution for them. And so even though Tandy suggests that they could possibly leave it to the police, that's not what Ty wants to do. So instead, he goes investigating. And, and so now we follow Tyrone. 
he goes to Avita's aunt to ask her about the symbol that he saw. And he actually sees it on a card uh, in her store. And that symbol is to request justice from Mau Mau or Mau Mau uh, Brigitte, which is the symbol is called the death law, I think is what, what she said. Um, and so he's asking about all that. And, and she says, well, the answers lie inside of you, which you, you just don't want your wise person telling you that because that's why you're there asking the questions, right? Like I, if I, if I wanted to deal with the answers inside of me, I wouldn't be coming to you to look for answers, but you know, most of our problems, the answers do lie inside of you. So Avita interrupts though, and she sees him and she's mad. She is mad because he's been gone for eight months and she's scared and she's worried, but he tries to reassure her by telling her that there are things that he can do. She shows him the power or he shows her the power rather. And she's still angry because eight months, right? And, uh, understandable. You know, that he never made contact for those eight months. He thought he was doing the right thing, but emotionally, it does not feel like the right thing for her. And, he, you know, I wouldn't know what to do. You know, I, I can understand his side of things, but then I can also understand her side of things. And um, so this gives us also a timeline, too, of the last time we saw them. It's been eight months since then. And, uh, yeah, so it shows that she still cares, though. It shows that she still cares. So he decides that he's going to do this same kind of voodoo prayer for justice where he's going to make that same symbol. And as he's making it, he's going to be crying out for justice because of uh, the Brigitte, uh, Mau Mau Brigitte. I, I know I'm saying it wrong, but um, I think I spelled it wrong in my notes as part of that. But uh, he, he's going to do that, make the symbol, and then he, he ends up teleporting into an ambulance where a girl who has been drugged and abducted is – uh, she's she's trapped there and the people in front of the ambulance are clearly not paramedics because they have a gun and most paramedics are not carrying around like a shotgun. And uh, so because he doesn't want to get shot, he teleports out of there, but he can't take her with him. And so this just kind of goes back and and dives into what what makes a superhero, what makes a hero. And that's this guy right here. He's a hero. Why is he a hero? Because he is out there doing what he can do to help people. And he's trying and he's investigating and he's active and he's making choices to do these things. And he's not just getting pushed along because I have the power. I need to use the power and the powers, you know, um, which isn't a bad thing necessarily storytelling wise. But that's not the point he's at right now. And and uh, so this whole situation here with him um, sets up that. There's something bad happening with this girl who's been abducted in the ambulance, which I didn't realize at the time um, that this girl was Michaela from from the last episode, the person that Tandy was trying to help. So now we're following Tandy and we get more of the we get actually the same conversation and some of the same shots even, but some of it's shot differently uh, where they're talking Tyrone and Tandy are talking and, and Tandy is angry at these people who choose drugs, you know, and, you know, these people are choosing this life that they've, they've chosen. And, and Tyrone says, well, some of them, you know, we don't choose this. They, they don't choose the struggle uh, and they don't choose to hurt. They don't choose to hurt. And she says, well, we're not helping. We're not helping well, you know, and, and she's realizing, OK, this is because Michaela is out there. And again, I just I, I like the the interplay between them as they're just figuring this thing 
out. How do we help? How do we do this? How do we do the superhero thing and do it well and do it right and help people? And um, so she goes to try and sort things out and she's doing ballet, you know, and she's doing the superpower ballet and the lights are flickering on and off. And um, she's remembering group session where Michaela, Michaela is talking about Jeremy and Tandy has advice for Michaela. He hits you, you leave. So Michaela does leave. She leaves group therapy. <laughs> but Tandy finds out that she never went to her friend Grace, who was helping her when she left Jeremy the first time, and she never went back to Jeremy. And what I find really interesting about this is I think Tandy has reason to kind of beat herself up about some of this stuff because her advice is you he hits you, you leave. Well, what happened here? Tandy verbally is hitting Michaela. She's not working with her gently. She's not, um, you know, meeting Michaela where she's at, which is what the group leader wants to have happen. And so when she goes out to try and find Michaela, she can't. And she meets Andre, who gives her advice and kind of walks her through how do you do this kind of thing. And uh, he talks about how he he endured misery that gave him appreciation for other people's suffering. And that's the same thing that Tandy's doing. Uh, you know, and this is good writing. You know, you've got these people who mirror each other. You've got these people who play off of each other. And you've got, you know, in this case, Andre, who's giving her advice and whose situation kind of mirrors hers. Her pain from her own abuse is why she wants to help Michaela. She's just lashing out in the way that she would like to lash out against you know her father or whoever. And so she hallucinates her father and she blows out some lights and it's yeah, it's it's a situation where uh, she's still figuring out how do I how do I deal with this? In Act Three, we get O'Reilly, and she's drinking. She her toast is as she's drinking. May we get what we want? May we get what we need? But may we never get what we deserve? Which is that is what we want, right? Uh, it, that's truth right there. Like that is, that is prayer right there. Like, uh, get me the things I want, God, give me the things I need, God, but do not give me what I deserve because I deserve bad. Um, that's, and, and that's someone who's clearly, this is someone who is beating herself up while she's drinking. She gets interrupted by a call from cloak and dagger. So she goes to them, takes the recorder, sends them away. And then she reports the deaths to the authorities and she drinks some more and she's torn up and she's throwing up and she's talking to her own reflection who calls her pathetic and says, it's my turn now. Although is it her reflection? Well, at the end, it's something different. She's looking at her own reflection and sees another one of herself right there. And that other one is what apparently shows up to the crime scene and just takes over at the crime scene. And then she goes to see the, the man who did the Voodoo stuff. I think um, she was to see that guy's family, their house built with dirty money. She threatens them. She finds out they've been storing private ambulances at their storage uh, lot, I guess. And so when she goes to investigate, this is the big surprise. Tandy's already there. <laughs> and okay. So how did Tandy find out? Well, that brings us to act five where Tandy finds out about the missing girls from Andre because there is a group of women who are standing around a light post. And now we have the same song from before what the song that was playing over the bleeding and the spilling of the cocaine into the symbol. They're singing that same song. 
And that song, this is what's interesting. You have Mau Mau, Mau Mau. Anyway, you have Brigitte that um, Avita's aunt was talking about, the death Lola, or Loa, not Lola. <laughs> Don't touch Loa. Um, you have St. Bridget, who's in the song that the women are singing, which is um, a Christian mystic. And then you have Bridget O'Reilly. You have three Bridgets basically in this, this is, I found it really interesting. I'm not quite sure what they're trying to say with this, but the three Bridgets, uh, it's not accidental. At first I thought it might be when that first song just happened to have a lyric where they're talking about St. Bridget. And then they are talking about the, the death Loa and the justice Loa Brigitte. And I forgot all about O'Reilly's first name, Brigid. Uh, and so you have these kind of three things being brought out and I haven't, I've thought about it a little bit, but I have not figured out like, what is the big connection here other than Brigitte, that, that prayer for justice with, with voodoo and then St. Bridget, which is that Christian mysticism, um, from, you know, a couple, I think a couple centuries ago, um, asking for justice there. And then you have Bridget who is alive now. And who is someone who's seeking justice. That's the only thing I can come up with. And I might be reading into it a little bit, but not too much. I don't think. I don't know. But anyway, I found that really interesting. So back to um, Tandy finding out about the missing girls. She finds out about them from Andre. And the reason she's like, why aren't people talking about this? And and it's because um, they're poor brown girls. You know, if they were Tandy, it would be on the news but they're not. And so now you see a little fire and, and this is, this is the call. This is the call to action. This is the call to say, be a hero. And, and she's going to do it. She's going to be a hero. So she, uh, finds out that Michaela was found overdosed, goes to the hospital, touches her. And she finds the ambulance lot by the vision that she got from Michaela. So something that Tyrone did, it seems like was helpful at least. Like he got rid of this girl. Uh, but she goes in to this lot because she's able to find a sign that she had seen where the ambulance was stored through the window of the ambulance. And uh, O'Reilly finds her. So now we're bringing them together again and they go in. And there's a chase and they're chasing the guy driving the ambulance and she uses her power and her anger to stop the ambulance. And then O'Reilly sends her away and kills the guy, just straight up kills him. And so now we have a situation where we have two people trying really hard to be heroes. They're both motivated to be heroes. You know, O'Reilly is also motivated, but um, she's going more the, the Punisher route than than the Spider-Man route. Act five brings us back to Ty. Uh, Vita comes to him as she's trying to find Michaela again uh, in the, the, the church. He's, he's drawing these voodoo symbols and he's trying to get that to help him to, you know, focus in the way. And, you know, this is kind of Vita's aunt kind of talking him through like centering yourself and, and um, you know, putting your mind right. And, and she says like, that's what prayer is. I think I, 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 I disagree a little bit. I think people, most people who pray are, are praying to connect with, um, you know, at least, especially in my case, just from personal experience, I'm praying to connect with someone outside of me 
where more meditation is connecting with someone within. But then I guess with the Vudan that they're talking about, he is trying to connect with this Brigitte. Uh, and so anyway, she helps him draw the shape. And then he does something he hasn't done before. The two of them teleport together to Michaela's hospital. And then they make out a little bit. And then he goes to the ambulance place, goes to Bridget uh, O'Reilly and finds her on the floor tied up. So they go to Tandy and they find the other Bridget. And so then we have two, we have two O'Reilly's one who's seemingly weak and ineffectual and one who is um, domineering and, and well, let's just call it evil, you know, because that's kind of what it is, Uh, you know, evil for good purpose, I guess, you know, but she's killing this guy and um, covering his blood kind of thing. Um, It's a big surprise for everyone, including me, the viewer. Uh, But you have a lot of this back and forth of, uh, you know, duality here. And, and now you have a literal duality here where I thought Bridget was going to be just the bad guy for this series. But Nice touch where we actually get to have a good one and a bad one. How does this work? What does this look like? Who came out of the swamp? What, what is this? What is this? And, and when is she going to like start using superpowers? Um, you know, like the comic book bad guy that she's patterned after that. Well, not patterned after she is. Um, we get an MCUing of a character here. I'm not going to talk too much about it in this episode, but yeah, this is what's going on. And, and uh, cloak and dagger, off to another great start. I am loving it. I am enjoying it. And I am going to read an email from Agent 084 who says pretty much the same thing. The uh, the message, uh, subject is Cloak and Dagger, episode 201, 202, spoilers. The message goes like this. Cloak and Dagger with five exclamation points. What a great premiere. I'm going to jump right into things. The f- and, and so now you're going to hear some stuff maybe that um, are, are going to be similar to things we've talked about. But um, that's because there's a lot of great stuff to talk about and we all are enjoying it, I hope, for the same reasons or for similar reasons. Anyway, Agent 04 says, uh, I'm going to jump right into things. The first episode started off the same way that last year's premiere started. Tandy doing ballet and Tyrone going around a neighborhood in a hoodie. Nicely done, show. Nicely caught, Agent 04. Uh, next frustration was a clear theme in the episode. I love the montage of both of them with their outlets, basketball and ballet, trying to blow off steam building up and you can feel the frustration and the struggle in both of them. Their crime fighting actually reminds me of Spider-Man homecoming kids going off and trying to use their powers for good and learning that even with good intentions, all actions have consequences only instead of Iron Man flying in to save everyone. They have mayhem coming in just to ruin it all. That'll be fun. And I, we've talked about this before, but it'd be so cool to have Tom Holland show up and have a little crossover there. But TV, movies, you know, it'd be cool. Next item. The second episode opening was the most beautiful visual of cocaine and blood that I've ever seen. Okay, it is a short list. <laughs> Next item. Kind of surprised they're going with a Rashomon episode style already. Some of the transitions between characters did feel a little awkward, but it worked out in the end. And uh, I would say, you know, I don't think it's... T- technically a Rashomon because uh, we're not watching the same thing over and over again. We're, we're getting um, kind of four different stories uh, that dovetail that start together and then dovetail at the end together. 
But uh, anyway, uh, next item. My first thoughts when meeting Andre. Nope. <laughs> Stranger danger. He's too helpful. Don't trust him. Not one bit. There's another big antagonist the system this season, isn't there? Mr. Jip from the comics? Calling it, especially since it's really weird that Michaela somehow runs out of that group and somehow winds up in human trafficking ambulance connected with the gangs Tyrone has been going after. There's a missing thread there, and I think new helpful guy is it. And um, I could see that happening, Agent uh, 084, um, but I will definitely give you credit for calling it if, if that's what happens, because I was if he's stranger danger, I was tricked right along with Tandy. But part of it was his introduction. He was introduced in a place of safety. He was introduced in the building where Tandy was having her her group meetings for group therapy with her mom. And he was introduced to Tandy by the the group leader. And so maybe maybe I just allowed myself into that false sense of security and safety that obviously Tandy has as well next item Tandy's powers going hairwire was a cool touch and it's exciting that their abilities continue to develop what was up with Michaela's hopes not being hopeful maybe the heroin in her system messed her up the outburst at therapy group was for sure the episode's Tandy no moment I can understand it though it's a great representation of an outside view of abusive relationships and her sitting and listening to all this for months and not being able to process people not just running away because that's what she's done her whole life it builds up and we see it coming to a breaking point with her but then we see her go super cyan and take out a truck and man that was so cool next item i'm really grateful that evita showing up didn't fully distract ty from worrying about michaela being kidnapped a lesser show would have had him completely forget it's also cool that she helped him calm himself and got him to add to his power set bonus points to her for pulling a black widow and kissing him strategically and she gave us a time setting eight months after whatever season one took place and either before Infinity War or after, depending on what happens in Endgame, I'll have that figured out in a few weeks. It is likely that we're in August or January since Tandy stole him a syllabus for classes he's missing. Also, great touch that he's still trying to be educated even when in solitude. Also, eight months without washing his clothes and he's running around and working out of them. Cool, cool, cool. I hope at least he snuck somewhere to brush his teeth at some point before kissing a Vita like that. Yeah, I also had issues with the whole laundry situation. Um yeah, I mean, with his powers, he could easily just wait until mom and dad aren't there, pop in, do his laundry while they're gone and pop out, you know. But anyway, next item, Mayhem. I was a little annoyed that they leaned so heavily on her in marketing because the second something wrong in that club, obviously that was going to be her. I did like the multiple twists with her afterwards. It first surprised me that she was a cop still and living kind of normally. What happened when she crawled out of that swamp? How did she get back to being herself? Then we see Mayhem's reflection in a puddle and the personality shift. And I was like, oh, okay, they're going to do Typhoid Mary better than Iron Fist did. Then the final twist that they're two completely separate people and that Bridget wasn't the only wasn't the one who crawled out of that swamp. I have to hand it to them. I didn't see it coming. I'm excited to see the actress get to show her range this season. Fun tidbit. I watch with closed captions when Mayhem walked into the kitchen and started talking to the other cops. No joke. The, and I saw this too. The, the, the captions identified them as hard ass one and hard ass two. Yeah, that was funny. 
Uh, next item. Overall, I give it an 8.5 out of 10. It was amazing. Gave me a lot of what I wanted. I wanted to give I want to give it room to go up later. And the Rashomon style in episode two was slightly awkward. Next item. Oh, and Marvel does a Cloak and Dagger after show podcast that everyone should give a listen. For the first episode, they had Aubrey and Olivia on with them. It was so clear that they understood their characters so well and aren't just cashing paychecks. And something and some really funny background on the club scene was as well as the question waffles or pancakes. Oh, we didn't talk about the waffles or pancakes. Yeah. I love that that little that little moment, that little detail. Next item. Until next time, true believers, Excelsior. And I have to say something similar because this is the end of the episode. And so, yes, thank you so much for listening. And um, if you've made it this far, you know, now is the time when I'm going to talk a little bit about my uh, other podcasting endeavor. As you know, I've worked on a couple different podcasts. One of them is called Strangers and Aliens. And in Strangers and Aliens, we've done some dramatic readings and, and, and little dramas and comedy bits and different things like that. But I am building on that, you know, my background as a comic book writer, as a playwright, as, um, as a puppeteer. <laughs> and uh, I've worked in animation. I've done a lot of different things. Uh, but one thing I'm doing right now is we're doing a Kickstarter. And you can go to um, uh, welcome to level 7com slash supersonic. Or you can go to supersonicpodcomics.com slash Kickstarter and we'll take you to our Kickstarter where we are trying to raise money to allow us to do a gigantic superhero serialized uh long form audio radio drama style uh superhero stories series and i just use a lot of words in a row that some of them were repetitive but you know I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm writing a couple different stories. Uh, one of them's called the Mark and it's about a guy who his, his superpower is that he gives other people powers and what happens with that. And, and it gets into, you know, different partnerships that he gets into and, um, gets into responsibilities that he faces as he's, as he's doing that, as he's giving other people powers, but then the powers take them into situations that are dangerous. Another series that I'm writing is called The Randoms, and it's about 42 random people across the world who end up with superpowers and just randomly, though. They don't know why. They don't know where it came from. All they know is there is some sort of mission that they need to figure out why they have these powers and what they're going to use these powers for. And so these series, if we're able to get the funding that we need to get up, um, will be running from, from June until I said series. And so Siri <laughs> turned on, uh, they're going to be running from June until January and it'll be seven episodes from four different series, plus a couple one shot episodes. Plus there's, if you, um, if you put in $30 or more into the Kickstarter, then you're going to have access to a behind the scenes podcast and a fifth series. That's kind of, a um, it's a side story that goes along the same timeline as everyone, but doesn't have the same um, connections. And it'll be an audiobook uh, uh, style there instead of the audio drama with actors. The Kickstarter is to pay for production costs, which the primary production cost is paying actors to to act in it. So, like I said, super excited about it. And um, yeah, so if you go to welcomelevel7.com slash supersonic or supersonicpodcomics.com slash Kickstarter. That will take you to our Kickstarter and um, any amount that you put in will help. And uh, I just appreciate and and uh, the support. Uh, and I already appreciate the support that's been, been shown by, by lots of different people. So 
our post credit is going to be the uh, the promo thing that we made about about this and what we're doing. Um, I played the promo, the same promo for the post credit for for Runaways, uh, the last episode that we did. Um, I I promise not to spam you too much, but it is something that I do want to get information out there, and I also think it's relevant to your interest because it's something I'm working on, but it's also something that has to do with superheroes. So that is our coverage of Cloak and Dagger. And so, yeah, we've got this TV show going on it's pretty soon. We've got another TV show happening with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and and how we're going to do dual coverage when we have problems just getting this episode out. You know, well, we're going to work on it. We are working on it. Uh, but I can't wait for the other thing that is going to be happening soon. I already have my tickets for Avengers Endgame. And all I have to say is this. Movie night is in the house. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7, or by following us on Twitter where we are level7pod. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. I'm J.S. Earls, and I want to invite you to a new project some friends and I are starting. And I'm Ben, Ben Avery. J.S. and I love stories and storytelling. We've both worked in many different mediums for story, including comics, animation, novels, audio drama, podcasting, and even puppets. Whatever it takes to tell a good story. Working with other comics, story, and audio professionals, Ben, Nathan James Norman, and I are creating a new superhero audio drama universe. We're creating this in the spirit of monthly comic books from the big publishers. And we're also writing this in the spirit of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or other franchises where each series and chapter tells its own story, but they fit together in a larger narrative. We're doing it in an audio format, with each episode being delivered free weekly to your favorite podcast app. Ben and I have been in the comic industry for almost 20 years. We love the comic work we've done and are doing, but in this audio format, we're able to avoid things like the printing costs, the difficulty of wide distribution, and many other obstacles. Storytelling in this format allows us to use the greatest artist possible, your own imagination. Although in the future, if things go well, we do hope to tell some stories in the comic book format. But storytelling in this format allows us to use actors and sound design to paint the picture in your mind. To do this, we're recruiting a cast of new and established actors to populate the supersonic pod comics universe. So, we're kickstarting this project to get the funds needed 
for actors and writers and engineers and sound and music elements and web and podcast hosting in order to create and provide consistent, high-quality superhero adventures. This is where we need you. If you're a professional or amateur actor, we need your talent. We're writing and producing this series ourselves, and we want to gather vocal talent from across the country. Only voice acting talent and a good microphone are required. So for now, we invite you to join us. Actors and actresses, contact us. Lovers of good stories and superheroes and audiobooks and radio dramas, please help us out by pledging your support through Kickstarter. Go to www.supersonicpodcomics.com for more information.